in case you missed it on Newsbreak. Very good afternoon to you. Welcome to the program. My name is Tadesh Hari Prashad and I'm bringing you some cutting edge current affairs today on the program. Uh, here's what you can expect today. We are going to be having um, a full on conversation about COVID-19 stigma. It's really been um, a topic that has been, I think, circulating, but in a very sort of muted, hush-hush sort of tone. Um, and what I'm talking about here is when somebody is diagnosed with COVID-19, um, the levels of stigma that they're facing, uh, being ostracized by society, um, it, it goes across various, various ways and various um, types of stigma. But I think the most one is, I don't want to come near you. And obviously, you, you know, you, you can't actually go near somebody who does have COVID-19. But this sort of um, isolation that a patient who does have COVID-19 experiences um, from then on, and it's an age-old thing. We've seen memes about it, haven't we? If somebody coughs next to you, immediately you start to pull away from that person. So it's that kind of conversation that we're looking at. Um, but of course, in a, in a much broader context, and we are going to be... Um, you know, looking at it in great detail. But I want to know from you, you know, have you been a victim of um, COVID-19 stigma? Say you contracted the virus. Um, what was the level of treatment that you got from people? I mean, I'm going to be playing you an interview now that we've done with somebody who claimed that when she and her family were diagnosed with COVID-19, people were too afraid to even walk past their house on the street, they would cross onto the other side of the road and then cross back once they passed um, that home. Um, and we want to look at the mental impacts, the social impacts um, of this, you know, really, what does one go through when they um, are treated in this way? Another issue of stigma is if somebody does get the, contract the virus, um, are they blamed for it? Why did you go out? I told you not to go there. And uh, where did you pick it up from? You can't stay at home. And we've been having these conversations nonstop on the program, you know, stay at home, save lives. But in the instance that somebody does contract COVID, do you blame them for the fact that they caught it? Do you um, attack them? Um, do you tell them that, you know, you've brought so much of problems now? How are we going to handle this? Because also at the same time, it is... And, 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 and here's the way I want to approach the talk show. Um, there are two ways of looking at it. One, yes, you must stay away from somebody with COVID-19, else you will contract the disease. That's how rapidly and quickly it spreads. But on the other end of that coin, um, you know, what level of 
kindness must you have so that you don't make that person feel bad in the same vein um while we are promoting responsibility and telling people not to you know be a part of super spreader events but if a person does contract covid-19 what then do you do do you blame them for it um so this is the sort of double edged sword two sides to the coin that I'm looking at on the program. Okay, so that's the topic. I've explained it to you and we look forward to understanding your uh, contribution. I really want to know from you on WhatsApp today. Go ahead and voice note me and text me. Have you been a victim of this or have you um you know shunned somebody because they've had covid-19 uh it, 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 it's really a personal personal story and i'd like to share it i'd like to understand it so please go ahead and talk to me about this so so let's 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 listen to this particular 33 year old woman um a lady from phoenix says helping her community through covid-19 is a way of turning her pain into purpose najma ibrahim lost her father and brother to the virus in june last year before being diagnosed with it herself now she's giving back to those with covid-19 and their families as a way of not only helping those in need but to hold on to hope minoshni pillai spoke to ibrahim about moving on after loss and the stigma around mental health and covid-19 Najma Ibrahim lost her father to COVID-19 in June last year, a day after Father's Day. At the time, the family were unaware that he had in fact tested positive for the virus. A week later, her brother tested positive and sadly passed away too. In the wake of this double blow, Ibrahim would soon find herself confronted with her own positive COVID-19 status. While she remains grateful to some neighbors and family members who cared through acts of kindness, there were others who she says felt angered that she'd not informed them that her father had tested positive for COVID-19, something she says they were also not aware of at the time of his death. We had to go into quarantine. We received backlash from the community, certain family members as well. It wasn't the easiest of experiences when you have people that you know that suddenly change their behavior towards you. It, it was one of the most depressing things. It became as though it was was our fault, or we were aware, and you know, put people around us at risk. That was really heartbreaking for us. Forget anybody else, but we wouldn't put our own family at risk. I mean, I wouldn't put my kids, my husband, my immediate family at risk, let alone other people. There were days where I just couldn't get out of bed to go and prepare a meal for my family or myself. It was through her own experience that Ibrahim decided to turn her passion for cooking into a purpose. So this year she started her soup initiative on the weekends. To the delivery of soup, she adds a home remedy pack with items that helped her recover from COVID-19. And she says seeing the gratitude on people's faces for a hot, nourishing home-cooked meal is balm for her pain. It was just something so beautiful and the look on their faces that I could, you know, do something like this for them. These are very difficult times for all of us. And if even for a moment I can give someone a, a few minutes of joy or happiness then why not? Yes, we have all lost loved ones during this horrible horrible time. But we need to draw strength from the fact that these were people that we loved. So think about those good moments with them and those good times with them, the love that you had for them. Celebrate their life in any way that you can. Ibrahim says the road to healing is not an easy one, 
With the support of her husband, she decided to see a professional therapist. I was at a place where I don't think I could have fallen any more than where I was. There seems to be a stigma attached to mental health. I looked for professional help, prayer as well. I'm a mom of two and I have a very supportive husband as well and I couldn't let them suffer because of what I was going through. She's appealing to anyone who may need help dealing with their circumstances under the pandemic, grief, trauma and even change to reach out to a professional, saying it introduced her to her older, happier self once again. People hear that you are going to see a doctor or a psychologist. Automatically, they're like, no, you don't need to do that. You're fine. You can cope on your own. As an individual, I knew I had hit breaking point. I took that decision with the help of my husband. Immediately, I noticed a difference in myself. My husband noticed a difference. In me. I became more of the person that I was before my traumas. There is absolutely nothing wrong with seeking professional or medical help for any mental trauma that you are going through. Even in the current situation with COVID, everything has changed. Our daily needs, our, the things that we do, our routines, and it's impacting people mentally and they don't realize it. Ibrahim says she'll continue to serve her community during the pandemic as long as she's able to, saying she wants to live a life of purpose, as those who've passed on would want her to. I know it's absolutely difficult in this time to even find a positive from this. Celebrate them, move on with a positive attitude. Minoshne Pale, SABC News, Durban. Hmm. So there's the conversation there and uh, I think a very important point it really puts, uh, apart from all the great work that the lady there Nedrima Ibrahim is doing I think um, the issue that you know community members saying, why didn't you tell us your father was positive? And she says, well, we didn't know either. And, uh, I, you know, I, in previous conversations with her, she mentioned the things of the neighbours not wanting to walk past our house, etc. So that's the level of, of, of stigma we're going to be talking about. But let's understand it within its sort of medical research context. Um, I'm, I'm very happy and fortunate to be joined on the line today by Dr. Shandir Ramlagan. He's the Senior Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council's Human and Social Capabilities Division. Dr. Ramlagan, thanks for your time. I hope that you well and healthy. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for having me on. I am actually perfectly well and very healthy, uh, luckily enough. Luckily enough, you know, I think it's just so important for us to be saying that to and about each other because that's the nature of the second wave of COVID-19, isn't it? No, the second wave of COVID-19 is exceptionally horrific. And I think people are finally realizing, uh, and, but unfortunately, they're only realizing because they now see what's happening to the communities. When the first wave uh, hit us, uh, the biggest problem we actually had was everybody thought that it was an older person's disease, uh, that it really only affected older people or some people with some sort of comorbidities, like an other sort of illness, uh, whether it's uh, like heart issues, uh, tuberculosis, or like it, uh, diabetes and things like that. But uh, with the second wave, the fact that it basically can affect and infect anybody, I think that's given people a, a, a big wake-up call. And that has also pushed uh, the stigma into overdrive as well. And that's precisely the point and what I want to talk about. Um, and I know there's so much of work done by your department onto it. We're going to go through that. But, you know, help us understand, and, and for those at home as well to understand it, when you say that um, COVID-19 has resulted in such a great deal of stigma, 
What are the examples of this? Okay, so when I want to basically talk about this, I want to basically also bring in myths and misconceptions into it. Because it's a lot of the myths and misconceptions that basically bring about the stigma as well. Like one of the myths uh, when uh, COVID first basically started, uh, I mean the first round, was that it was a white person's disease. So therefore, if you're not white, you'd basically not get it. The other thing is that it was a rich person's disease. People that basically traveled. People who visit Italy. Exactly. Uh, So people, tourists, basically. So therefore, if you were rich and if you're white, you would basically get it. But if you were poor and non-white, then the chances you getting it would not basically happen. And of course, then people stigmatized uh, against those people. And then people basically became, uh, if I could say, laxidated. They they didn't really bother too much about it. Uh, The other thing that we also see is othering. Uh, And this is a form of stigma where you don't think something can actually happen to you. Yeah. You think that it will happen to somebody else. And, and this is, we also saw this a lot with HIV. So uh, in my field of work, I was basically working in HIV before COVID came in. And then I took all that expertise that I learned with HIV and I applied them to the COVID scenario. And what we found there and what we also find in here with COVID is that people will come and say, oh, no, it won't happen to me. It's uh, like, I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm strong. I'm healthy. It'll happen to somebody else. Uh, the other people, like people that are poorer. Uh, white people or people that live in squatter settlements, people that live in high-density areas. And therefore, they started stigmatizing. Now, what happened is that people, therefore, then started to not wear their masks. Yeah. Uh, they started not washing their hands. And they became a bit lax about the whole prevention uh, like a methodology that we basically talked about. In the second phase, what we're actually finding is that now people are being infected because the second phase is a lot more virulent, this uh, 501v2. And because of that, what's happening is that people are now keeping this information to themselves. So in a household, you might get somebody that actually is positive. They might feel a bit sick, but now they're too scared to tell somebody else. So when I'm saying somebody else, I mean their own household members. They're yeah, actually yeah. too afraid to tell their, household, uh, their own household members. What's happening is that obviously they're interacting, there's no social distancing because, I mean, in my household, I interact with everybody uh, because we live in the same house. We, we, we think that we all are basically safe. Uh, but what happens is that now you're basically passing on the virus, infecting more people, and then all these people are basically going out and also infecting others. So it is... And then you... So, to stop you there, I think you, you then get a sort of a dual stigmatization then because once it comes out that um, the entire household perhaps is COVID positive, uh, then you start, you know... Uh, what, attacking the one who brought it to the home in the first place. So there's a sort of a dual aspect to it, isn't it? Uh, yes, I mean, that could definitely happen. You now start blaming the person that's actually brought it in. But also, there's another aspect as well. Imagine the guilt that that person that brought it into the house is actually feeling. I often myself actually say that I- I'm afraid of COVID, but I'm actually more afraid if I have to give it to somebody and if that person dies from it. So now yep, a household yep. member brings it in uh, to their house, infects everybody, and then somebody dies from that. Imagine the guilt that they're actually feeling at, in, in that stage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, you said something very interesting there, and, and, and I want to exp- spend just a little bit of time talking about it. Um, you've done a lot of work with regard to uh, stigmas and, well, you know, in, 
HIV AIDS in general, but you know, you've, you've done some work um, researching the stigmas associated with this. And we're looking at HIV AIDS, we're looking at tuberculosis, you know, the sort of um, transmiss uh, transmissible diseases. Um, and, and, and we've learned globally about those stigmas. We're still learning about it. A lot of work has been done, you know, from the 1980s to now about how to break these stigmas and how to. Um, you, you know, uh, deal with it. So obviously COVID just, what, 12 months old, one could say. So those stigmas are likely to be, you know, really fresh. Talk to me about the link then between those kinds of stigmas you've seen with regard to HIV, AIDS and tuberculosis and COVID-19. And what can we learn from those stories to beat the stigma of COVID-19? Okay, so I want to basically start with what we can actually learn from, uh, from that point. And then I'll obviously work my way back. The most important thing is to be open about it. You see, there's nothing to... You have COVID. It's so transmissible nowadays that literally anybody can get it. I've literally had friends, very close friends, that went to work because obviously like, people are traveling, and somebody at the office basically had COVID, and this person was now extremely afraid because he thought he would basically bring it back. Luckily, he basically informed everybody that this is what the situation is. He went for his test, and everything worked out fine. But he was open and honest with everybody. As soon as he found out what the situation was, he let everybody know, everybody who he's been in contact with, that this is what the situation is. Uh, this is how I could have potentially been infected. I've gone for a test. You guys just need to basically keep yourself safe and secure. Now, it's exactly the same thing that we found with HIV. If people found out, or if people informed others, disclosed that they actually have HIV, then they could receive the help that they need. The previous person spoke about uh, social support. Social support is an amazingly important thing. And in HIV, what we found is that people that basically have social support tend to do actually better. They take their medications. They actually live longer, happier, healthier lives. And it's the same thing with COVID. If you, are in, if you inform people that you actually are COVID positive, you can then basically uh, get help that you need. You can get mental health because people can basically call you, talk to you, uh, they can talk you through the entire process. But as well as what we've seen in the community, and I'm sure uh, like your listeners will also know about this, and uh, what the previous person also talked about, was that going and offering services like, like providing food to people, uh, providing medicine, uh, like a normal things like multivitamins, vitamin C, which people are taking to basically keep themselves healthy, people are actually giving this medication yeah, free yeah. if you're informed. So yeah. if you let people know, then people know to also help you. Mm. Now, here's something else I also want to basically yes. uh, just talk to you about. And this is coming from back old, age old days, okay? And not, not really about research, but what we used to do as a community. Remember, measles and mumps was, is also a virus. And right. if, if in the past, when we had measles, what our mothers and grandmothers would actually do is leave a jar of uh, hardy water uh, and uh, slinger. Like a slinger berry, yes. Exactly. Mm. Uh, uh, on your doorstep or basically at your front gate, wherever it is. So whenever anybody came past to visit, they would see that and then they would realize, hey, you know what? There's either mums and measles in this house. So like that, let us not basically go there. People social distance. They basically informed everybody, and whoever needed to drop off whatever, dropped it off at the person's door, at the person's gate, because you know what, you want to help your, your neighbors, you want to help your family, you want to help your friends. But all of a sudden now with COVID, which is also a virus, 
which is also transmitted exactly the same way that measles was, because through droplets, coughing, and things like that, people now have a very different attitude towards it. They want to basically hide it. And this is actually causing more harm than it's yeah, I think that's a wonderful imagery. It's a wonderful point. I never thought about that. I mean, we obviously knew the links and we've done interviews about the links, but to actually possibly start a culture like that, where you put that uh, that lota of water outside your door to say, wait a second, uh, the way one does, uh, I think Hindus generally do this, um, when they leave that out there to say, hey, listen, we've got um, you know a particular virus in the home. Uh, it's an age-old tradition, I remember it. So I think that's a cool way to possibly you know break that stigma a little bit and say, hey, Wait a second, just just keep it aside. But back to the science, uh, Dr. Ramlagan, I want to talk about you know this this particular point, right? On one hand, um, you have this thing of somebody contracts COVID nineteen now, and um, there's stigma attached to it. People want to distance themselves. If they see somebody coughing in a hospital, they immediately you know pull away or or, or you know want to distance themselves. But ultimately, isn't that the scientific way of handling COVID-19? You're supposed to socially distance, right? You cannot go and hug somebody for having COVID-19 and say, I'm so sorry, um, as much as you'd want to. But medically, scientifically, you shouldn't be doing that, right? So how do you handle that? Because it almost sounds as if by science, you have to create the stigma of distancing, of wanting to stay away from a person who is positive. Okay, so let's basically uh, just change something there. You see, stigma is actually a bad thing. You treat people badly because of something that they have. So we don't want to treat people badly. Now, if you think about it, you can still provide people with food, with medication. You can still drop things uh, like at their door. You can still call them to say, hey, you know, how are you doing? Do you need help? How can we help you? Uh, should I drop off a meal? At your place. Now, these are things that we can definitely do that's non-stigmatizing. But stigmatizing basically means doing something that's like actually bad, treating somebody in a bad way because uh, they have the virus. Now, if we are all wearing our masks, we are sanitizing, we are basically keeping our distance, we should be relatively safe. But there's no need now to basically say, take off your shoe and throw it at somebody because like that, or to basically swear somebody. That is actually yeah, just yeah. be, now that is what's being, that's stigmatizing. That's yeah, actually yeah, being that. Yeah, but yeah. in saying all of this, I, I totally agree with what you're saying in another thing, in that uh, we are social beings. As human beings, we are very social. We, we love interacting. We love getting close. And yes, the science basically tells us, don't do that. Yeah. And people are being affected by it because to actually not hold somebody, to not hug somebody, for all the grannies and grandfathers out there to actually not hold and hug their, their grandkids, uh, yeah. it must be a very difficult thing. And the thing is, this is where uh, we need to look for other strategies in how to basically communicate. Like the one thing that we actually do, and this is particularly uh, for my uh, family, is we do Zoom birthdays. So when somebody has a birthday, we actually call each other and have literally a Zoom party or a WhatsApp party and we're all on video and literally everybody's at their own houses. Uh, everybody has either cupcakes or whatever it is. We all cut the cake, yeah, all those, yeah. uh, okay? Sing but happy birthday. And again, it basically brings this closeness. So yes, COVID basically does require you to actually distance yourself from one another, but it doesn't require you to actually treat somebody badly. 
So there's a very big difference. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lovely way to explain it, Doctor Doctor Ramnagan. Uh, I think another great finding of your of of the study conducted recently by the Human Sciences Research Council um, was misinformation, and you touched on that. You know, initially it was the Italian disease, the Chinese disease. Only white people get it. Only people who uh, can afford to travel get it. Um, so yeah, a great deal of misinformation. We've had a lot of threat with regard to fake news. So ultimately to bridge and overcome stigma uh, what are your recommendations then i think from a sort of a macro level because ultimately this does lie from um, you know government even for for providing and passing accurate information um, how do you think this information needs to go onto the ground in local communities so that people actually understand um, these issues so that they don't perpetuate and create stigma on that local level Okay, so the first thing is please watch what you'll read on Facebook. I mean, Facebook is an amazing tool, but it's amazing how people also spread so much of misinformation on it. Okay, now the good thing is that, uh, so for me, I will read journal articles to know what is basically happening, and a lot of the journal articles are actually free. But then you get websites like the NICD, the National Institute of Communicable Diseases, that basically have a lot of information, good information, accurate information, that's basically put out by scientists. So if you hear something, okay, your neighbor's basically talking, something on social media, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, a big grain of salt. Uh, that's the first thing. The other thing is that if you hear something, you need to also do your, a bit of your own research with regards to it. And I think one of the, the most important things that everybody has basically stated from the very beginning is that you need to basically have your masks on, you need to basically social distance, and you need to continually sanitize it. So if we do this, everybody will remain relatively safe. And when it comes to having COVID, if you have COVID, you need to start disclosing. So if you disclose yeah, that you actually yeah. have COVID, or if you even think that you have COVID, then you'll be able to protect others. But besides protecting others, you'd also be able to help yourself by people coming together as a community and, and helping one another. You see, the thing is that I honestly believe that as humans, we are a good people. Okay? And we ourselves have proven that so many uh, times. I mean, time and time again, we basically prove it. So, but in order to basically help somebody, we need to know that somebody obviously needs help. Right. Yeah. And if we hide in this, this virus, uh, we are basically causing more damage. Yeah, I think I think just a, a final point then, as you leave us, and this is more of a sort of a, you know, it's yeah, it's a medical one, but also an emotional one, doctor. If you could help us, help me, even myself, um, put this question into a phrase because uh, I mean I have an idea, but I don't really know what I'm saying here. But the point is, is that, you know, there needs to be a certain. I imagine there needs to be a certain level of, I think, compassion with regard to COVID nineteen because. It is so easily transmissible. It's it's not unique to South Africa or a particular community. It's a global problem right now. It has overturned global economies. That is the nature of this virus. So that level of compassion that if somebody does get it, to realize that, you know what, it's so prevalent right now. It's happening to everybody. It is ruining lives. 
how important is it to have that mindset instead of immediately saying, oh gosh, stay away from me. Um, you know, you, you, you're a bundle of germs, stay away from me. Or um, you must have done something wrong to catch this. How important is it to understand that compassionate nature that this is the, this is the big evil that the globe is fighting, not just a particular person? No, I, I fully agree with you. What you're saying is 100% correct. The thing is that as people, we obviously have to look after one another. And, and I think that's our, basically our, our point that we need to basically approach it from. You see, everybody is also looking after their families. Now, if we're at home, we have to go out. Like, I have to go out to basically buy uh, a few necessities from home. Uh, like it, uh, recently, we basically saw, saw the water shortage in Chatswood, and basically people had to go and get water. Now, that could have been a point where they could have gotten it. So there's so many instances of people have to obviously go to work. Uh, and and uh, so these are, so the virus, yes, you're right. This 501v2 is exceptionally easy to transmit. And no matter who you are, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, uh, like that, no matter what race group you are, no matter what religion you basically follow, you can very easily get this virus, the second wave, simply because that's how easy it is to actually transmit. But if we understand this, we know that anybody can basically get it, and whoever gets it, no matter why they basically got it, we still basically need to help them. Because at the end of the day, if we don't help them, we actually do ourselves a disfavor. Yeah, no, absolutely, because that is the the spreading aspect of it. It could spread right back onto you if you don't help to mitigate it. Well, Dr. Shandi Ramlaghan, that's all the time we've had now for our conversation. Uh, we thank you so much. That was Dr. Shandi Ramlaghan, Senior Research Specialist at the Human Sciences Research Council. Wishing you all the best. May you continue to be safe and healthy. Uh, thank you, Teresh, and goodbye to everyone. I hope everybody basically is also safe. Yeah. And I pray that everybody is I get healthy and comes out of this in one piece. Absolutely. And we'll talk to you pretty soon, Dr. Ramlagan. We look forward to that. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Okay. And that was Dr. Ramlagan helping us understand a lot of the research and scientific work done with regard to understanding stigma in the country. Lots of WhatsApp messages here. I'm going to go through them right now as best I can. And we're also going to be talking to Dr. Shirona Rawat, who's made some time for us. She's going to be talking to us about also handling stigma from a mental health perspective, how to um, overcome it. And like... Um, Najma Ibrahim told us earlier the sort of um, stigma attached to seeking help, seeking counseling, seeking therapy if you can't deal with the impact of COVID 19, how to break that stigma as well. We'll talk about all of that. Stay tuned. Family means being there for the ones you love, giving them your time, your love, and of course, food. And that's why we have all the services and products you need at great prices. Like Yum Yum Peanut Butter 400 Gram, $26.99. Rewards members pay two rand less. Huggies Pants Jumbo Pack Assorted, $159.99. And Country Fresh Ice Cream 2 Litre, only $42.99. Spa, we're here for you so you can be there for your family. 
side is anyone's game this weekend when Golden Arrows battled it out with Chakuma Chamatibandela in the DSTV Premiership. Will Abafana Bestende take full control Ekaya or will TTM bring Limpopo Heat to KZN? This clash promises world-class commentary, sensational flair, goals and unrivaled passion. Catch Golden Arrows up against Chakuma Chamatibandela this Saturday at 2pm live on SABC1 and SABC radio stations in your language of choice. Brought to you by SABC Sport. Femicide is a sex-based hate crime. It is the intentional killing of women or girls because of their gender. It is the most extreme form of violence. Respect every woman. Enough is enough. Stop femicide now. SABC Education. Enriching minds, enriching lives. Okay, it's Newsbreak Talk and we are talking about stigma and COVID-19. We're going to be crossing to Dr. Sharona Ravith just now to talk more about the issue. But uh, WhatsApp's uh, really, really active today. So I want to go to some of your messages right now. Um, yeah, this is from Anila Sital in Shelly Beach. I'm sure it's beautiful there. <laughs> um, I think no one should be criticized if they get the virus. It could happen to anyone. Put yourself in their shoes. Would you like it if you were treated badly if you had to contract the virus? I think we should at least be kind enough to prepare a hot meal for someone who has contracted the virus and who is in isolation. Um, that was from Anila Sital in Shelly Beach. Um, another another message here. Uh, this is from Anonymous. Um, some people overdo it. Some are cruel. We all are afraid, yes, but we can support people with kindness. As things are worse now, I just advise my family to treat everyone like they are positive. Um, but yeah, doing so with kindness. Hey, that's a great point. Um, that's a you know responsible way. Vijay in Peter Maritzburg says, my family and um, I cook food i made rasam and prayed for them and they're fine now i think she's saying my family did have covid thank you viji for sharing that with us tonti says um and he's saying that there's this uh, he says the stigma lies among local communities who de- deem you to the grave without anything positive being said even when you are in quarantine. He says that there's this uh, pastor who's done some good work in Richards Bay making rasam and delivering it to persons uh, who can access the remedy, home remedies to fight the virus. Great, great uh, work there. Uh, okay, that message was deleted. Um, Rani Pillay says it's very unfair to blame or stigmatize people who have COVID-19 patient is going through a difficult time with the virus so why make it more traumatic for them that's Rani from Stanger Manor um, Shamila Maharaj in Stanger says COVID is something that no person can blame anyone for that's in the air I had a lot of family members that I lost most uh, recovered this this virus is a milestone throughout the country our strength is our choice we have to encourage that person that is suffering now thank you so much Shamila Maharaj uh, Sanisha in Phoenix tells us, I had COVID symptoms and went for a checkup to a doctor. Uh, while waiting, sitting in an isolated room to be checked up by him, uh, the cough was troubling me a lot and my chest was wheezing rather bad as well. You can't imagine how shocked I was when the doctor came to me and said, can you please stop with the coughing noise because you are scaring people here and we are trying to save lives. I have since changed my doctor. I want to know if that's the type of behavior that's acceptable from a medical professional. 
I think absolutely not, Sanisha. I mean, I'm not a medical professional, nor my authority to say it, but uh, I don't, I mean, uh, whoa, I have to, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's correct. Uh, I don't think that's correct. I mean, I'm dumbfounded, Sanisha. I think you should take that forward. You should take it further, and you should possibly lodge a complaint somewhere. Um, Ragni Tambiran says, thank you for news break. Uh, it was sad to lose our relatives, Mr. and Mrs. T. Chetty. Rohini Sandhi says, namaste for the very important topic. Yes, I think it is important to create that awareness, Rohini. Um, Roshni Pitamaritzberg says, um, many thanks for the updates and the great show. Uh, always appreciate it. We also appreciate you, Roshni. And she sent a great message for everybody who um, is going through something right now. She says, life's a story that is all twisted and turned. All that matters is the lessons we learned. So yes, great advice coming through there. Mr. N. Governor, also on a voice note. Hello there, sir. Good afternoon, Teresh. India, with a population of 1.3 billion, has commenced vaccination and the vaccines are free. People appointed by the health department visit homes and a token is given to each member of the family to visit a hospital or a vaccination center at an appointed time. After a month, they have to go for the second dose. Hopefully, we will be in the same league. Thank you. Thanks so much for that voice note, Mr. Governor. Okay, when we come back, we'll go to some of your voice notes still. A lot more to talk about. And we also look forward to speaking to Dr. Sharon Ravid. Stay tuned. This January, SABC3 brings you great movies every Friday, Saturday and Sunday evenings at 9.30pm. Some of the titles include Still Alice, Season for Love, Home of the Brave, Little Manhattan, Summer of Dreams and many more. Visit our social media pages for more information on all the movies on offer. That is Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays at 9.30pm only on SABC3. It's back to school at ShopRite and we're giving you up to 40% off on over 300 products like a 192-page A4 Scholar hardcover counter book, only $11.49. A 43-gram print jumbo glue stick, just $31.99. And jiffy heavy-duty plastic rolls, only $9.99 each. Make 2021 your year to save with back-to-school low prices, only at ShopRite. Prices valid till 7 February. You know, this is why sometimes I like that at, at some point in the show, you can get this mic to go off because if you sometimes hear the conversations that Dr. Sharona Ravat and I have off air, <laughs> I don't think it would be good for your mental health. <laughs> We're just here laughing about the fact that 2020 was so intense that we actually can't even remember that traumatic nightmare anymore, isn't it? And here we wake up to a 2021 with even bigger COVID-19 statistics, isn't it, Dr. Ravid? Mm. Hi. Absolutely lovely to be here, Suresh. Yeah, thank you for making the time. And yes, we are talking about, about um, stigma. And, um, you know, we did speak about from a medical research perspective with our um, expert here from the Human Sciences Research Council. But it's been having, it's been playing a mental havoc, hasn't it? And, and what are some of the, you know, um, kinds of stigmas you've been noticing that people have been talking and complaining about, uh, about COVID-19? 
Sorry, I didn't hear that question. Yeah, well, what are some of the stigmas that you've been made aware of about okay. people complaining, um, you know, about COVID-19? Okay, so, you know, mainly the, the stigma around, the first, I think, the element of stigma that I first picked up last year was that people felt that they needed to keep it secret. So if they were not feeling too well, um, firstly, they went into a bit of denial, and I think a lot of times out of fear, so they wouldn't go to or wouldn't contact. In fact, there were protocols in place that you don't actually go to a doctor's room if you feel like you have the symptoms. Um, you actually call them, and then they make arrangements for you so that you know it's protected for the other individuals that are probably at the surgery. Um, but people wouldn't do that. They actually would wait quite late until the, the, the condition was quite um, intense, and then they seek help when it's like um, like critical. And uh, that's also where the problem came in, because if people got treated earlier, the chances of uh, it, uh, recovery was very high. Uh, but a lot of people would wait until they actually were having the, the breathing problems and already developed the pneumonia. And um, that is one of the reasons that caused people uh, to go into critical care and things like that. So yeah. I found right at the beginning the stigma was that... Um, I can't let anybody know. I don't have it. I don't have it. I won't get it. I don't have it. And even if you do have some signs, no, it can't be that. Probably just an ordinary whatever. Until it got too bad because they were afraid of being stigmatized. Um, and so that is the first element I found that actually added to the pandemic. The stigma has added to the pandemic because there are protocols that are in place, as yeah, I said, yeah. for individuals who might uh, the PUI, uh, which is like what we call uh, people under investigation, right? So we haven't done the results yet, so we're waiting to see whether they're positive or negative. And a lot of doctors have a special uh, area where they would keep somebody who they suspect might be a COVID patient um, until um, they can either, you know, find the spot that's possible for them or get the test done. Yeah. Um, so doctors have protocols in place for that. But the thing is that the stigma was keeping this away from actually acquiring the treatment that they needed. And um, mm. a lot of people that uh, were um, found to be treated after the fact and were actually now starting to have to uh, manage at home and not in a hospital, uh, and they and their families, a lot of times are stigmatized by the community around them. But I think it came out because of fear and anxiety came out in the wrong way. So I think, you know, people needed to be careful and you needed to have that distance from individuals or households that may have had a COVID infection, yeah. but not to the point of being and antagonistic. So it shouldn't have been aggressive yeah. Um, yeah. and it shouldn't have been where it actually hurts people. Yeah. Even where we have to keep a healthy distance. Because I've heard yeah. some conversations of people while researching this topic and a lot of them didn't want to come on air and talk about it. So they just told me their story, you know, off air. And they said yeah. things like... Um, yeah, and I was told, you know, how could you do this? You know, why did you, you had to run around all over the show and go and um, catch the virus and bring it and come. And, you know, I mean, mm. that's, can, what impact does it have on a person when you speak to them like that? Here they have this life-threatening virus for however they've caught it. Um, and then somebody yeah. speaks to them like that. What goes to their mental state when they're spoken to like that? Absolutely. I mean, look, the stigma hurts everybody. You know, everybody is affected in the process. The people who are stigmatizing and the people who are stigmatized. Um, so first, I mean, I have to say, individuals have to be responsible because that's another thing that we were facing around. There were people who were being irresponsible. 
So, I mean, you know, when you said people, you're running around here and there, this and that, and not wearing a mask, there are people doing that and actually getting infected. And, I mean, those people also, I don't expect the public to hold them accountable, but I think they need to hold themselves accountable for the fact that they, they were reckless. Um, and being reckless with yourself is one thing, but being reckless to those around you is not acceptable. There have been lots of people who are infected who know that they possibly have it because the symptoms are all there, you know, but they won't tell anyone and they carry on with their normal lives. And that's unfortunately something that has happened and does happen in the community. Because, again, I said a little bit of the stigma, but I think a little bit of the denial as well. So stigma hurts everybody, right? Everyone in the equation actually suffers from it. And it creates fear and anger. Instead of focusing on the disease that is causing the problem, it now focuses on the person itself. Um, and it causes people, you know, to be more likely to hide their symptoms of illness. Um, it keeps them from keeping healthy, like I told you earlier. And it prevents people from adopting healthy, healthy behaviors. So stigma has a, a lateral effect that a lot of people don't kind of realize. You know, and it also makes it more difficult to control the spread of an outcome out of an open outbreak. Because yeah. if you are unable to identify who is and who isn't, who might be and who might not be, then what happens is that we are now exposing a lot more people to the virus itself. And the virus mm. itself, especially the second wave, is extremely contagious. Yeah. So it, it is important to be able to identify and people who also are doing another thing. So when they were testing positive and when they were now getting treatment, they were now hiding that, right, and not letting people know. So actually what they're supposed to have been doing was informing those that come into contact with that they are positive and that that person needs to go and have a test done. Now, they weren't doing that as well. And that, again, because of the stigma, I think, partly, but I have to say partially it would be because of also personal issues, ego, arrogance, denial, whatever right. it might be. And you know, Dr. Ravid, I mean, when you look at the numbers, and we do know that there's so many reasons why the numbers have increased like that. You know, so yeah. many, so many scientific ways, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, social interaction, of course, the festive seasons, super spreader events, and of course, the nature of the virus, the second strain itself being more uh, transmissible. But at the same time, if you've got people who have COVID-19 not informing others and just going about their business, yes. surely that may have played a big role in the big numbers we saw in December, isn't it? Yes, it absolutely has. And that is where I'm saying as well. So while we look at stigma, we understand the, 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 the um, kind of negativity that stigma comes with. We also got to understand that people need to take responsibility as well. So they also need to be responsible and also need to do what needs to be done. So everybody needs to educate themselves. Everybody needs to understand this is an illness, a virus, like how people get the flu and stuff. You know, you don't stigmatize somebody who has the flu. Yeah, but what has happened with this is that people were stigmatized, stigmatized almost as it was initially when HIV had come out. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, it was kept like a total secret and, and that kind of thing. But HIV is, is transmitted in a completely different manner yeah. and is not as contagious as yeah. that. So, so Dr. Ravid, yeah. what goes through somebody's mind then when they're stigmatized like this? Because let, let's paint the picture. Okay, however you caught the COVID-19, you caught it. And... You know, you're afraid you could die. You're not feeling yeah. well. You have to do yeah. so much of new things now. You have to be locked in a room for 14 days. Um, yeah. And somebody says they, they attack you and they give you this sort of speech. What, what does it do to a person mentally? I think it 
it's very devastating. If you've done everything that needed to be done and then you still picked up a virus, it is possible. It does happen every day and it's happening a lot of the time. So, I mean, a person can literally follow all the procedures and protocols and still pick up the condition. So, in essence, you're an innocent victim almost. And um, it's very devastating. It affects the self-esteem. It can disrupt relationships. It limits your ability to socialize. So, even though it may be virtual, you're now afraid to actually reach out. And human beings are social beings. So, we need to reach out. We need to be able to connect with others, even if it's on a virtual platform. So, it's actually isolating that individual even more. Um, and it's affecting them in general by stopping their mood, causing anxiety, making them publicly embarrassed. Um, so, it has lots of negative effects from, from a mental perspective. And a lot of uh, research has shown that also with COVID, um, high anxiety and low mood and all that also impacts on the on immune system. Absolutely. And that impacts yeah. Yeah, yeah. on your ability yeah. to fight the, the condition. So, I think it has an overall negative effect. I think yeah. Um, it, it actually cuts the person off from resources yeah. that they should have had available yeah. to them. Dr. Ravid, closely linked to that would be guilt. If you right. bring COVID-19 home or to the workplace and somebody dies even, you know, that's the worst scenario. You you were the, you know, if you traced it, and that's the thing with COVID-19, you can go back yes. and trace. If it's traced yeah. that you brought COVID-19 to a building or to a home and somebody mm. catches it from you and dies, that guilt could be devastating to live with. Absolutely. Absolutely. To the average individual, it can be totally mind-boggling because, you know, you feel responsible. I mean, even now when we hear of neighbors or we hear of uh, people, even distant uh, connections, there are people we may have met only once, so people who just notice here and there or we've passed, you know, quite often uh, in the workplace have passed on. I mean, it's all of us. So if you feel that you are responsible for that person's death, can you imagine how much more so? Uh, it will affect you. And uh, I think, you know, people need to look at it in this way that, you know, while we can trace to a certain extent, we can't trace in complete totality and say absolutely for sure uh, it was you that did this or did that. Because um, a lot of people with COVID uh, or carrying COVID actually show no symptoms. So um, you could have been exposed to somebody who just didn't have symptoms. And you have symptoms, so you just yeah. if you get what I mean. Yeah. I think people need to put into perspective. It's just like the normal flu. Somebody may have the infection, but it's just that you can't see it in there. Yeah. Whereas another person's immunity is lower, yeah. and so for them, you can see the symptoms. So people need to understand that this is an illness and a condition, that it depends on that individual's body. So as long as you are taking the precautions, you are doing what needs to be done, you are not deliberately infecting people, and you are making sure that you're being responsible. I think you've got to look at it as it is. Yeah. It is something that none of us can control. We cannot see it. And some people get it, some people won't get it. Even those that are exposed may not get Some may not get it and some won't get it. So we've got to look at it that way that it's, I think, in the hands of God yeah. um, in order to help us to manage the feelings of responsibility uh, that we might feel or the, the feelings of guilt that might come up if somebody uh, passes away because we feel that we had infected yeah. So I think, Dr. Rawat, we leave it there with you. Thank you so much for helping us understand this emotional aspect and mental aspect of, of, of stigma. Just a quick word of advice, though, that you could leave, um, you know, South Africans with right now in terms of fighting that stigma. You know, do you know of somebody that's positive? How do you deal with it as, uh, as you know, to try and ensure that everybody's comfortable and, you know, helped during this time? 
absolutely. I think you know, it's very important for us to stop the stigma. So I think there are certain individuals out there that you know, like Rachel, um, who is actually you know for the documenting. I think that's very important because that documenting actually shows people that yeah, this is what happens when a person gets sick. I don't blame anyone. Nobody blames me. You know, and I'm out here just to show this is what is happening, this is how it goes, so that people are educated and they understand the seriousness of the situation and that they start following the protocols a lot more carefully because the protocols have not been followed well. And this is one of the reasons why we are having such a difficulty with this because if the protocols were followed, we would have much less of, a, I would say, like, a, what did you say, a curve. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. much flatter. Um, so, so people need to firstly follow that. Secondly, they need to realize that this is an individual. And while, yes, you have to follow the protocol, it means you cannot have direct contact with that person. But you can have virtual contact with the person. You're not going to get infected through a computer screen. So you can speak to them virtually. Um, you know, you can assist them with advice and they just want somebody to talk to. Um, and you can help them in those ways by also giving them information. For example, as I said, there are food delivery services. Um, there are also lots of other WhatsApp um, kind of organizations and things. And I've got lots and lots of messages from different um, individuals and, you know, like kind of teams and communities that are actually giving free soup and free food yeah. to COVID-positive patients. So they're dropping it off at their doorstep so that at least they have something to eat uh, that is cooked for them. Because when you get sick with COVID, it actually can be very debilitating. So people get it at different levels, yeah. but it yeah. can be very debilitating. Yeah. Dr. Dalton, I think... I think yeah. that's all the time we've had then on this topic. So let's leave it there. Thank you so much for making the time for us and we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you so much for inviting me and take care. Okay, you as well. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, I'll go to WhatsApp now, trying to get through a lot of them. Um, we've got uh, Anonymous says, my wife had been tested positive three weeks ago and the balance six of my family tested negative. I never left my wife quarantined alone i wear a day a mask daily i sleep in the lounge i see her every time she has now recovered only a slight cough but i always treated her like i always did i believe if you if your immediate is affected give them all your support what a wonderful story there from that person um more messages here uh, the likes of mala sending us a message um saying we don't have to the right to discriminate against people who have the virus. Anyone could contract the virus. I'm going through the messages very briefly. Chapter 2 as well, weighing in. Uh, of course, he's talking about something else today, so um, not really part of the topic. But yeah, I think everybody's on that um, quest. Uh, here's a message. Anonymous says, We should use humanity first before criticizing. I'm nursing my sick child at home, taking all the precautions. And uh, the prayers are with all living with the virus. Pran Mahabir as well, thanking us for the program. A message here from Kasturi who says, um, Okay, Th thanks Kasturi for the message. We've also got Kogi Reddy, says my daughter had COVID, uh, but with prayer, uh, she managed to come right. Um, okay, and um, he has an interesting question though that's come through. Um, from Reshma, who says, could we, we be mistaking fear and the COVID rules for stigmatization? Um, yeah, 
definitely. That was the double-edged sword I was talking about. But I think the point then, Reshma, came through on that was uh, you can be kind. You don't have to scold somebody for getting it. You can do all of that, but you can do it with a certain level of kindness and, and precaution. Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli as well saying hello. In our community, many have the virus, some worse than others. Just give them support through a prayer, a daily message, or even a meal. Um, give somebody a sense of belonging in this pandemic. So yeah, I don't think you have to possibly go and sit with them, but you could do that. Mariam of Cape Town as well says, have a blessed day. Thanks, Mariam, for listening. More messages, Vinod Jageser as well. We've had um, Rajan Rajkumar today, Selvan on a voice note as well. Um, unable to play all of that today because of time constraints. I'm so sorry, Bully Mudli from Queensborough as well. So my regards to all of you. Let's talk again tomorrow. Uh, I really wanted to go through all of that data um, on stigmatization, so I left it there. So yeah, the broadcast came away courtesy of the team, executive producer Selma Patel and um, myself. So from me, Tadeesh, hey, have an awesome day. News break. Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.